This episode is brought to you by the generosity of our listeners. But we want to say to that widow, we will never turn our back on you. And that's what we train our men to do. That's Herb Reese, author, speaker, and president of New Commandment Men's Ministry. Put your faith to work. This is the Bold Idea Podcast with ideas, interviews, and inspiration to bring your bold ideas to life. Here are your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bold Idea Podcast. This is your co-host, Larry Gates. Along with Armin Asadi. And we are here to help you put your faith to work and your bold ideas into action because this is, after all, isn't it, Armin? The, the Bold, bold Idea, Idea Podcast. Podcast. All right. Hey, Larry. let's go. <laughs> we are so glad you're a part of the show today. And we have the pleasure of inviting Herb Reese to be our guest for the program today. Herb is the president of New Commandment Men's Ministry, a ministry that trains teams of Christian men to effectively and practically minister the love of Christ to widows and single moms and others with long-term needs in their churches and communities. And you're going to love what he has to say. Lots of really good stuff here. And uh, he is a graduate of UCLA and Dallas Theological Seminaries. He's done postdoctorate work at uh, the University of Texas in Dallas and Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. The guy knows his Bible, but apart from that, he's got the heart. He's got the heart of a biblical warrior. Yeah. And uh, sure. you will love that uh, that Herb is uh, with us on this show. And over the past 20 years, he's been the pastor of three churches. And man, he's got a pastoral heart and a vision of how to reach these moms and widows that so desperately need the love of Christ. And uh, we're so glad to have on the program, Herb Reese. Welcome, Herb. Hi, Larry. It's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm glad you are part of our program. And well, let's start here because uh, I know you as the president of New Commandment Men's Ministries, but Mm -hmm. that's a ministry that probably a lot of people don't know about. Tell us about what New Commandment Men's Ministries is all about. Well, the... uh The short version is New Commandment Men's Ministries helps churches recruit, train, organize, and deploy teams of men who permanently adopt widows and widowers and single parents in their churches and in their communities. Herb, what do you mean by permanently adopt? Well, what we mean is we assign teams of three to four men to a permanent care receiver, a widow, widower, single parent. We ask the men to donate three hours of time, one Saturday morning each month. And on that Saturday morning, the teams meet at the church, usually around 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning, for one hour of prayer and Bible study. And then the teams break up at the end of that hour, and they go out to their care receiver, and they work in their home or around their home doing whatever needs to be done for two hours, usually until maybe 10 o'clock or so, and then they stop. But then every month... They go back to the same person, to that same widow, that same single mom, and serve them for two hours. So that single mom or that widow has a permanent team of men showing up every month to do whatever needs to be done around their home, month after month, year after year. And if you could, you know, imagine if you're a widow or if you're a single mm-hmm. mom and you got four guys just showing up on your doorstep one Saturday morning a month and going, Okay, what do you want us to do for you? You can imagine what that means to them. They don't have to ask them to come. They just show up. We have teams now that have been serving their widows and single moms 
for 10, even 15 years. Wow. That's that's amazing. And, you know, yeah. Armin and I have had a long, I mean, I know I have, had had a long burden for, you know, single moms and what they have to go through. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've had uh, guests on our show that have talked about the struggles that single moms have. And in the past, I one of my uh, church groups that I had led, uh, we kind of had a, a missions uh, emphasis, in fact, mm-hmm. getting the group that the small group church together to go and do just what you're talking about. But we didn't do a, a permanent thing. I think it was more like a right. missions run. You know, it's like we, we found <laughs> right. a few single right. moms who could use yeah. some help and we, you know, mm-hmm. tore out their bathroom and, you know, remodeled their bathroom and helped them out in some way. Sure. But you're talking about a sustained effort. Correct. What widows and single moms need to have from the church is more than just projects done for them. They need relationship. Mm. You know, what, what they've lost is relationship. They, they've lost love. And so what the church needs to provide for a widow or for a single mom is not just, you know, fix her broken window or remodel her bathroom. They need to provide consistent, long-term relational ministry over years. And that's what we're doing in this ministry is we're providing a team of men and we're saying, you know, for as long as you need a team, by the grace of God, we're going to provide one for you. If that's five years, that's fine. If that's 10 years, fine. Uh, it may not be the exact same guys. We know guys are going to move away. So that's why we use a team. One of the reasons why we use a team, because we know that's going to happen. And so we rotate men in and out. And uh, maybe after five years, there may be completely different guys on the team. But she still has a team showing up one Saturday morning each month. I'm just curious. Are, are you keep saying men, so is it safe to assume that you don't use women and it's only men? Oh, same question I was uh, going to ask. Oh, good. Very good. Very <laughs> good. Uh, to start with, we use men. We encourage churches to use men for several reasons. Uh, number one, men are a really underutilized ministry in the church. Mm. Number two, uh, most churches have very weak uh, men's ministries or maybe not even a men's ministry at all. And this provides immediate focus for the men's ministry. Now, this is not the be-all and end-all of men's ministry, but it is a tremendous way to start a men's ministry and get something very effective going immediately. And then another reason why we use men is men need to know how to relate to women who are not their wives and not their daughters in a non-sexual way. They need to know how to express love in a non-sexual way. And, you know, when the when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, he's not just saying women love other women in the church as I have loved you, or men love other men in the church as I have loved you. He's talking to everybody in the church. And so we need to show men how to obey that command with, it, uh, with regard to the other sex in the church. Okay. And this is a tremendous way to do that because it helps men understand what the love of Christ is, how to practically apply it when it comes to the neatest people in our church. And it usually, it's not always women who we serve. Sometimes it's widowers, you know, sometimes uh, could be a single dad, but just, you know, demographically, it usually winds up being women. And uh, so we provide a team of men for anyone in the church with a long-term need, but it's usually women. Another reason why we use men is because it's just scriptural. Jesus entrusted his mother, who was a single mom and a widow, to a man, 
John. The church recruited uh, deacons who were men in Acts chapter 6 to minister to widows. So it's not uh, something unique with me. It's actually very biblical. So I'm glad you brought up the sexual part of it because knowing what I know about a lot of the churches I've been involved with, there, there is a big safeguard around men and women where there is a very intentional, strategic a way of making sure men and, and what they would call vulnerable women don't engage with each other often. Right. Um, right. So how, how, how often does that become an issue with the churches that you guys try to deal with? It's funny how some churches deal with this. I mean, you know, there are churches who, uh, is not primarily in our culture, but they actually separate men and women in worship. Uh, Sounds like you're on. Yeah, that is right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That is not scriptural. And, uh, you know, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he's interacting with women all the time. And, uh, And sometimes it was rather scandalous what he did. Right. We we know that men struggle with temptation, and so we there are two things that we do to address that issue. The first one is we ask churches to have a policy that they always do background checks on every single man who does this ministry. That wouldn't and work out well for me. Right. <laughs> yeah, or you're out of there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been... <laughs> have, you, have you ever been kicked out of a country? <laughs> I think it's more of the organized crime thing. Yeah, I think, I, think maybe, <laughs> right. I think maybe you got that strike against you, yeah. buddy. Okay, uh, that's good. a whole different story, isn't it? <laughs> yep. All right. Um, uh, you know, so we want to do background checks, just like we would do background checks on people who work with children in the church. And then the other policy that we encourage churches to have is that uh, you only go as a team. The men only visit as a team, they never go to the home of their care receiver alone. Mm. And that has worked extremely well. Uh, you know, we, we want to be realistic in, we want men developing godly relationships with women in the church as a team. And we want men to experience the love of Christ and to show the love of Christ with other women of the church as a team. And I've been doing this now I, I did this ministry as a pastor in two of my churches for five years, and then, or actually 10 years, I'm sorry. And then I did this, I've been doing this ministry full time with hundreds of churches for 15 years. And over that time, we have not had a single instance of any kind of impropriety uh, at all. In fact, I even sent out a, a, a blog post to thousands of, of my subscribers asking, has anyone ever heard of a single instance of any kind of impropriety uh, with men's team ministry of widows and single parents? Nobody responded with a yes. Uh, and it's amazing, really, when you think about it. But you know what? I That's think almost happens, a miracle. Yeah. Uh, well, if you got, I mean, there are thousands of men doing this ministry. If you got thousands of pastors together, and ask them, over the last 15 years, has anybody here ever had an affair? <laughs> you know, sorry I mean, I to laugh, say, but I, I, I yeah, Armin already knew where you were going as soon as you said thousands of I pastors. I don't think you would get the same response. <laughs> it's a but really here's valid the, here's point. the deal. You know, Scripture says in Romans chapter 6, don't present your bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present your bodies to God 
present yourselves to God and your bodies as instruments of righteousness. Mm. And, you know, that's what's happening in this ministry. Guys are, are going out as an opportunity to worship God and to obey God and to serve a woman in love. And they get to experience righteousness and they get to experience godly love. And what happens is that turns sexual sin into something that is ugly and repugnant. Mm. And that's what needs to happen in our culture. Our godly men need to or do understand when they practice what God tells them to do, when they practice it, all of that, excuse my French, crap out there, (laughs) it smells the way it should. And I think that is why we have seen what we have seen in this ministry. Men experience righteousness. They experience the love of Christ. And it puts all of that other stuff in perspective. Your focus is really to transform the heart of men through serving these women. Absolutely. Is, is that right? Absolutely. And so you, you mentioned earlier, right at the preamble, I think, when we were talking about this, that women need these relationships or need relationships. They don't need projects. And so, but, but your focus really is on the transforming of the man's heart, not so much the transforming of the woman's yeah. heart. So how do you partner to have this holistically so that the I woman can catch that? That's good. The, how the woman also is uh, transformed by this experience. Do you uh, have the church engage the women's ministry to care for the, the mom as well in a more relational way? Or how are you, uh, how are you coordinating what her need might be? Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, um, we teach by example, and so we want our men to teach a very important lesson, and that is that the love of Christ uh, has extremely practical implications for the neediest in our congregations who are normally widows and single parents, single moms, and then we train our men how to show what that love is. So we describe the love of Christ, you know, Christ says, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So the question is, well, what does it mean to love a widow? What does it mean to love a single mom as Christ has loved us? So we talk about the three unique qualities of Christ's love. Uh, in the incarnation, God is identifying with us, so God becomes a human being. And so if we're going to love a widow or a single mom the way Christ loves us, then we need to identify with them. That's why we assign a team to a widow so that there is identification happening. And then uh, in the incarnation, God is committing to us. He doesn't just become a human being for 33 and a half years and then goes, finally, I'm done with the human race. He became a human being permanently. And uh, he committed to us. Love never ends. And so if we're going to love a widow or single mom the way God has loved us, the way Christ has loved us, then we're going to commit to them. And so that team is saying to that widow or single mom, we're not going to leave you until you don't have any unmet needs in your life. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes they get married. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they go, you know, there really isn't anything left to do around my home. Why don't you adopt somebody else? But we want to say to that widow, we will never turn our back on you. And that's what we train our men to do. And then the third thing, the third unique quality about Christ's love, the first two are personal identification, commitment. The third inequality is based on redemption, and that is sacrifice. God gave his son for us. Christ 
sacrificed his life for us. And he says, that's the way I want you to love each other. And so we train our men to, you know, if you're going to love a widow, if you're going to love a single mom the way Christ has loved us, then not only do you need to commit, not only do you need to identify with them, but you also need to sacrifice for them. So we talk about what it means to be an advocate for a widow. Uh, if there's a need that is greater than their ability to to meet that need, to find resources for them, go to their families, go to their extended families, go to charities, go to the government, go to your church and go, hey, our, our single mom, her central heat's gone out and it's going to cost $4,000 to replace the central heating unit. And we don't have that kind of money. We need to replace the heating unit. You know, so... So what we have seen is teams actually do this. You know, they they begin to see their care receiver as a family member, uh, that widow as a mother figure or that single mom as a sister. And the same thing with the care receiver. They see their team as sons or as brothers. And, uh, and then they get to know them. They mm. come to understand not only what their problems are, but why they have those problems. Yeah. You know, so and then and then they sacrifice for them, and they make sure that their needs are being met. So it's it's a very the love of Christ is very profound. Yeah, I, I love that. I love those three things that you pointed out there. Herb, let's take this. Let's take this more personally here. Let's dig into what is driving you in all this. How did you get to this burden for this ministry and and for widows and single moms? You know, what drove me uh, to this is is a lack of training. I, I attended a, a wonderful seminary. <laughs> I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. at all what I expected either. Sorry it's to true. laugh. We're both sitting here shaking our heads going, what? That wasn't at all what, what we thought. What drove me to this is a lack of training. I attended a, a four-year seminary after I graduated from college. I went another four years. Not once did anybody mention anything about how to minister to a widow or how to minister to a single mom. And when I, when I got into the pastorate, uh, my, the first woman who became a widow in my first church, uh, Alice Ham, it was devastating. I mean, she was just utterly devastated, and I felt completely helpless. And it was so frustrating not to know what to do or how to respond to her need. And then in my second church, uh, same thing. We had a, a, actually a young widow. Her husband died after a year of marriage, and uh, she was utterly destroyed. I mean, I visited her a few months later. I discovered that she had been crying herself to sleep every night on her living room floor mm. and sleeping all night long on her living room floor. And I went out in my car and I just wept and I just prayed, God, show me how to minister to her. Mm. And, you know, just through a, it would take an hour to describe all the events, how God led me into this ministry. But just through a series of events, I came across a church in Nebraska that was using their men uh, and forming them into teams, assigning them to widows and single moms of the church. And it wasn't the exact same model, but I kind of modified it and, and took it back to my church. I said, hey, I think Teresa could really use this. And the guys went, yeah, let's do this. And so we assigned, we formed a team of four guys for Teresa. We actually had 16 men. And uh, so we, we formed four teams, and we assigned a team to a welfare mom with three kids and a team to a, a, a single dad who had epilepsy, is just, you know, disabled. Um, 
uh, a single, another single mom who was disabled with Crohn's disease, and we just started serving them on a regular basis. And I just noticed, man, these guys love this ministry. And and the the widow who who uh, the young widow whose husband had died after a year of marriage, she started coming to church, and for the first time, I saw her smile. Hmm. And I'm going, you know what? Something's happening here. And then uh, one of the teams, after a few years, uh, the, their care receiver died, and they were the pallbearers for their care receiver going out the church after the service. And somebody took a picture, and it wound up on the front page of the local newspaper. Hmm. And one of the t- another team, they got her uh, the. Uh, it was the team for the um, welfare mom. They got her qualified for a Habitat for Humanity home, and they built her a home. Mm-hmm. Wow! And they're going, whoa, you know. And these guys became renowned all over the the city. There's about forty thousand people in in Central Illinois. Mm. So God called me to uh, here in Colorado, a church here in Colorado. And after a few months, we started the same thing here. Same results. And then uh, finally, about 16 years ago, my brother-in-law passed away at the age of 47 and left my sister with two teenage girls. And they attended a very large church in Southern California, a mega church. And I knew what they were going to do. They were going to do a funeral and a family meal and cards and flowers. And then they were going to forget her and and her two daughters. And um, Dottie asked me to do the funeral, so I did. And at the... And in the funeral service, I just said, hey, you know, here's something that has worked really well in my church. Would you please form a team for my sister? And at the end of this uh, service, standing room only in this auditorium, 50 men came forward and volunteered to be on a team. And uh, so that we formed teams for my sister and others in the church. And for 13 years, a team of men in Los Angeles showed up for my sister faithfully for 13 years. Wow. And that that funeral was my call to do this full time. That's when I started helping churches do this full time. So, uh, and the reason why they stopped after 13 years is because uh, my uh, nieces got married to some really godly men and they started serving my sister so they, she didn't need a team anymore. So anyway, yeah, that was my call to do this. Mm-hmm. And we now have over 900 churches uh, serving widows and single parents in 49 states and I think it's seven foreign countries. Wow. You know, I'm really taken by the permanence of this. You know, the level of commitment that you're making to do this until death do you part or they say be gone. Because, (laughs) you know, Uh because it didn't occur to me until our conversation here that, you know, I felt really good about the project that we did to help these single moms. And I think they appreciated having us come in and do that. But we, but you're absolutely right, Herb, we do kind of have a project mentality. And I think among men, especially we want to see something accomplished and then we can walk away from it and feel good that we accomplished something, but it isn't in the context of anything that's sustained Mm -hmm. it's like okay i can get my immediate shot of adrenaline and Mm -hmm. my little um feel good hormone Mm -hmm. and then i'm i'm like good to go uh, until maybe you get rallied up again to do it for someone else Mm -hmm. but you're talking about doing it day in day out or should say month in month out or whatever that (laughs) frequency is where you're saying look let's let's man up here and let's make a real 
sustained commitment. Now, right. tell me about what are some of the challenges of getting men to do that, or getting anybody to do that, for that matter. Well, you know, what's amazing is that it really is not difficult to recruit men for this ministry. And there are several reasons for it. First of all, it's scriptural. You know, everybody knows we're supposed to serve widows and single moms. The true religion uh, and undefiled is this, to visit a widow and an orphan yeah. uh, in her distress. And everybody knows that's there. They just don't know how to do it. And, so, and that wasn't taught uh, in seminary, apparently. <laughs> No, no, they skipped over. I, was, I guess I was sick that day yeah. when, they, when they covered James one twenty seven. Yeah, but um, you know, so then you go to the you go to these guys and you say, hey, you know, this is uh, one Saturday morning a month, and it's three hours. You come to church, it's like a Bible study, prayer time, and then you're going to be on a team with other guys. And uh, you're going to be done at 10 in the morning, so you're going to get home at 10.15 or 10.30. Your kids are still going to be playing video games in their pajamas, uh, so you're not sacrificing the entire morning. And, you know, if it, you're on a team, so if you can't make it one particular month, it's okay because you've got three other guys to, you know, bear the load, so it's not going to be a ball and chain. We know that you might, you might get called to somebody else, you know, some other ministry, or you might move away. Uh, but this will be your opportunity to help carry the load. And so we make it as easy mm. as we possibly can for an individual guy. This is the Bold Idea Podcast. Well, I mean, this is probably a good time to take a pause from this episode and thank our listeners who've supported the Bold Idea Podcast. You are the reason we exist. This is a non-profit. That means we don't make profit off of doing this. This costs money. So if you're the people out there that are supporting us and donating to us, you're the reason that we've been able to do this for over a year. And we'd love to be able to do this for another year or two and bring on more amazing guests. So we would love your support. If you feel so led, just go to boldideapodcast.com forward slash donate. And thank you again. All right, so where are the challenges? If that isn't it, if it isn't the sustainability, where do you find challenges in this ministry flourishing then? I think the challenge is uh, the, helping the church leadership gain the vision. Hmm. That's the challenge. And you, you know why? Because they haven't been trained. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lack of training. <laughs> like me, they went to seminary and they didn't hear this either. You know, they weren't taught how to minister to widows and single single moms. You know, when you're a pastor, you're you're focused on your program, your building, your board, and your staff. And you know, and making sure the money comes in to pay the bills. That that I'm sorry to say that, but that's your focus. And the widows and the single moms don't really factor into that. What's your word to the senior pastor today? What would you say to them? to consider this as a, a vital call in their ministry? I would tell them to pull out their church roster and go through and mark every widow and every single mother in it. And then read your Bible, get out your concordance and look up widows, look up fatherless children, look up orphans, and list the 40 verses that you're going to find and read them carefully 
next to that list of widows and single moms in your church. Mm. And then ask yourself, okay, what am I doing in obedience to the word of God for these widows and single moms? Because apparently God cares about them a little bit more than most pastors. From what I hear, (laughs) I have been in hundreds of churches and I get an earful Mm. from widows and single moms. And usually it's all bad. Mm. Uh, You would be, it's just pathetic Mm. uh, how churches ignore widows and single moms. They just assume that because they're getting social security and they're coming to church, they're okay. They're not okay. The church is supposed to be this bastion of love. And yet the widow comes to church, she goes home, and her loneliest hour is the hour after she gets home from church. Mm. Most of us have families, uh, you know, we have, we're married, we have kids, our lives are full, we're working. Um, but that widow isn't working, but yeah. she might, she's probably retired. She's probably living on bare bones social security. She doesn't have a family. Uh, Most widows don't. Some do. Some live near their children. That single mom is struggling. She didn't have any support. And so the church needs to find a way to do what Scripture tells us to do. And this is one way. I'm not out here saying this is the only thing, the only way to minister to widows and single parents. It has worked extremely well uh, in the churches that we've done it in, and I'm just a pragmatist. Here's Scripture, here's the need. And in our culture, this has been very successful. If you can show me another way that's even better— Boy, I tell you what, I will drop what I'm doing and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I'll do it so fast you can't, you wouldn't be able to blink an eye. So some of our listeners may be having the the same burden that you do. They're they're not leading a church, but they're like saying, how how can I get involved in doing something like this? What should I do? What would you suggest they do? Okay, well here's here's what I do. I would go to the pastor and I would just ask, who's the neediest person in this church? And you know. Maybe he might need to think about that for a while, but uh, just ask him, who, who's the neediest person in this church? And then find out who that is, and then get, if, the, if you're a man, get one other man in the church and just say, hey, how would you like to go serve a, uh, this widow, or this is probably going to be a widow, or a single mom? How would you like to go uh, serve this single mom or this widow uh, just once a month for a couple hours with me? And uh, find that other guy, or if you can't find anybody, take your wife or your teenage kid. Anyway, you don't have to wait until there's some huge, massive program passed, you know, and okayed by the church. You can do something right now. Mm. You can find the neediest person in your church, and you can start serving them consistently and effectively for years. And you can become the example. And after a year or two, what happens is you are communicating something to your church, and that is, this is what the practical application of the love of Christ looks like to this widow. What do you say we do this for all of our, excuse me, all of our widows? Mm-hmm. What do you say we do this for all of our single moms? And then become the catalyst and become an advocate for all the widows and single moms in your church. Mm-hmm. And then go to my website and you'll learn how to start a men's team ministry to widows and single moms in your church. But the first thing is, that you convey, you become an example by just doing it. Mm-hmm. Just go do it. Find one person and learn and experience the love of Christ for that person. 
and then use that as your template for the rest of the church. Yeah, we already know it's in God's will to do it because it's written in the Word, yeah. right? <laughs> So yeah, like pretty you, much. Yeah, I like you have to pray about it. Pretty much, right there. Yeah. In fact, I, I one one guy said to me, you know, I'm going to pray about this. I said, whatever you do, don't pray about it. Do not pray about this. We are not asking God whether or not His is His will to do His will. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we already right. know this. Yeah. I think that's know. kind of a given, right? Yeah. Don't pray about whether to do. Just pray about how to do it. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned your website, so this is a good time to tell people about where they can find you if they want to learn more. Yeah, uh, all you have to do is go to newcommandment.org, and that's our website. And uh, and then if you would like to sign up for our um, my blog, I do a, a three times a week blog. And um, so there's a place to sign up for that. And if you do, we'll give you a, you can download a free version of our uh, ebook. It is called um, uh, The One Amazing Thing That uh, God Wants to Do With Men. I think you'll enjoy that. Yeah, that's great. So before we go, tell us, Herb, what is your next bold idea? My next bold idea is to go upstairs and uh, get something to eat. (laughs) (laughs) A man with a very bold idea, indeed. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to thank you for the time that you've taken with us to be on the show today, Herb, and uh, just love love your ministry, love you, and uh, just uh, really... Uh, asking the Lord to just bless and continue to multiply this ministry throughout the world. Thanks, Larry. Okay, Armin, that was Herb. Really like that guy. Yeah, he's not too bad. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's got a small heart and yeah. does okay stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> only been able to, you know, do this in a thousand churches. Yeah, that's so nuts. Okay, I got to tell you, one thing that he said just really got me, and it was when he said, this opportunity to serve these women, to do this ministry, it's your opportunity to worship God. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure you have, but I've never heard of volunteering and put in that perspective that you enter it into the same way you would enter it when you go into like the moment where, where, where music comes on yeah. and you know, your hands go up, your eyes are closed or whatever, right? Like it's this, it's a moment of actual worship. Yes. But to engage serving these widows and single moms and single dads and you serve them the same way you enter into worship, man, I I, I don't know why, but that visually changed the concept of serving for me. Yeah, at the heart of at the heart of worship is the word work and mm. the idea that we are to basically give worship through what we do. Yeah. And when we're, you know, doing something as fundamental as he said in James, you know, yeah. we're still look out after the widows. I mean, yeah. pure religion is this, you know, yeah. attending to the needs of the widows. That's like, right. all right. So how are we doing on that one? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we don't want to answer that. <laughs> well, I just love, I've loved this ministry for a long time and I've known Herb for a while. He's been a member of the national coalition of ministries to men. And he's just, as you point out, he's, he's just got such a genuine heart Yeah, and uh, he's, it's tender as you can tell. And, and I love the fact that he's taken what, he was convicted of for himself. How do I deal with these women in my church who have had such a profound change of their life and the need so great. And you could tell from his heart how 
broken he was by that. Yeah. To oh, say, how do I mobilize? Yeah. yeah. How do I mobilize men to address that? Mm-hmm. And that, that's one of the things that really came out for me was the fact that, you know, he, he didn't just do something himself. Mm-hmm. He used the burden that he put, that God had put on his heart to see who else might also share in that burden. And you know, that's what he suggested yeah. that if, listeners have that burden as well that they find others who also share that and join together as a team and there's something really powerful when you come together absolutely on any of your bold ideas yeah right it doesn't matter how god might be moving you but you know as we talked about in last week's episode there are no solopreneurs in god's kingdom it's right? literally what i was about to say i was going to say yeah this is exactly what you said last time yeah <laughs> there, are, there are no solopreneurs and and herb is an example of that yeah he is an example of a guy who not only committed to create a team to address the specific need that he had in his church but now he's helping churches across the world right create teams to do that yeah and and, and he, here's the so i think when people say hear the term uh, there's no solopreneurs. They think, well, I just need a partner. But I think what Herb did and said, no, 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 you don't need a partner. You need to mobilize the kingdom of God to move forward with this. Because if you, if this burden is on your heart, there's probably a hundred others or a thousand others because God doesn't work with addition. He works with multiplication. And he said that recruiting men is not the challenge here. Right. You know, which or basically says how, how, how much could our inaction be simply because we don't want to take the leader leadership role to make it happen? Yeah. Because if he's not having, think about this, if he's not having trouble recruiting guys to do this, <laughs> then what is he having trouble with? Yeah. It's finding someone who's going to rise up and say, pick me, I'm going to mobilize the men to do this. He's, right. I mean, it's a leadership issue. Yeah. And he said issue. that. Yeah, he said that, you know, when I asked him what the greatest challenge was, he says the leadership issue, but we don't have to pin it on the senior leader. Mm-hmm. We can pin it on anybody who wants to say, look, I have this burden, but I'm not going to do anything with yeah. it. That's a leadership issue. Right. Absolutely. And and here, here's the other thing that he pointed out that I, I don't, I, I don't know how to say it without it sounding negative or bad. So I, it just seems to be really consistent. And this might sound like a tangent. How often seminary does not prepare these pastors, right? Like they're prepared theologically and they're prepared in terms of speaking, but they're, they're not necessarily equipped to go out and be executive leaders or executive servants per se. It just seems like there's, there's that piece constantly seems to be missing and, uh, but, but what I love is because that piece is missing, it allows the opportunity for so many people to rise up and fill that gap like Herb. But as he was talking, I just think, man, I wonder if he's got an opportunity to actually create something for seminaries to use. Oh, I don't doubt it at all. And, you know, we can probably say that about any educational institution from kindergarten all the way up to our yeah, oh gosh, yeah. institutions of higher education in terms of not preparing someone for something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, but the, the key question isn't that it's somebody else's responsibility to prepare us. Right. It's our responsibility to prepare ourselves. Right. And if God is calling us into this, and I don't think there's any question that this is a mandate for the church, it's because it's in the Bible. Right. You know, we ought to find out what our role is and how we can how we can do this. And I just I just love the very practical way that he 
he describes all that. Agreed. But you know, what really made me think with some broader application, what really hit me was, and we talked about it in the episode, right, was the the degree to which he's calling on this personal, sustainable commitment. Yeah. And that really permanent. is, yeah, that permanent kind of adoption. Yeah, wow. And that is a level of commitment, which is really admirable. And it does kind of fly in the face of our, you know, project mentality, which we can just go in, do something, feel good about it and leave. Right. And he talks about those three things the way Christ loves us, identification, commitment, and sacrifice. Those mm-hmm. three were the big three things. And I started thinking about that with as he was talking even with respect to how true that is for anything that we want to create a bold idea around. If God's calling you to a ministry, he's calling you to an opportunity or even a business opportunity, find ways to identify, create commitment, and show sacrifice. And mm-hmm. that is really how we do kingdom work with Oof. a bold idea. Yeah, It applies to any endeavor that we could have is because we are to mimic that we're that's, that's the model we are to live under. And I love the fact that he just broke that down that simply. Absolutely. The other part of what you just said about uh, what Herb is doing that really stuck out to me is, and this is my last point is how the death in his family gave birth to his ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that just for whatever reason really stands out to me and and I think it stands out to me because it it doesn't feel uncommon or rare that it almost feels like it, it it's normal for God, right? That he mm-hmm. uses the tragedies, the worst pain, the greatest grief and sorrow of our lives to create the most fulfilling, most impactful, most meaningful opportunities in our lives. And I, and I, and I just, and he, he didn't t- he didn't talk about it much. I mean, right. it was almost breezed over. But that, that was that was a huge highlight for me. Well, that, there's something that's redemptive about some kind of resurrection re- seed and yes. something new in that. Oh, I love the word the resurrection. Yes, yes. It's it's the resurrecting Christ does a lot more in our lives in terms of resurrection uh, that we always see as redemption. I think. But, yes. Yeah, that, that was the resurrecting Christ right there in that yeah. story. I loved it. Yeah, for sure. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'd love to get your comments on the show. Join us at boldideapodcast.com slash 65. That's where you can leave a comment on our show. You'll get links to Herb's website and uh, be able to download that free resource that he mentioned when you sign up for his blog. Uh, speaking of blogs, when you come to our website, sign up for ours. If you're not receiving the show notes already, we'd love for you to receive them. And uh, you'll see blog posts from guests that we've had on the show and an opportunity for you to engage with them as well. Of course, we'd love for you to leave a comment there or leave it on our show line at 612-568-IDEA, 612-568-4332. And as always, Armin and I are so appreciative of your listening to this podcast. And would you just do us a favor right now? Just think about someone who you could pass along this episode to and let them know about the Bold Idea Podcast. And we'd be ever so grateful. So this is Larry Gates. And Armin Asadi. Say until next week, go boldly forward and greet your bold idea with passion. You've been listening to the Bold Idea Podcast. To get our show notes sent to your inbox, visit boldideapodcast.com.